Welcome to the Rams Review Podcast. Discussion, insights, interviews and analysis. All passion, all Derby Cat. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of the Rams Review Podcast with your host Jason Flying solo on hosting duties. Yet again, Corey is very, very much tied up, unfortunately. Hopefully, we can have him back on the pod very, very soon, because it is always nice to have him involved. But of course, it means that I just have to find two other people who want to talk about Derby County for the next hour. And yeah, there's a few more of them nowadays that uh, that don't mind don't mind talking about it. And certainly two that don't mind coming on this podcast. And we've got the two Chris's with us this week. Chris Smith. Chris, how are we doing? Yeah, fine. Thanks, Jason. Um, unfortunately, uh, a little bit older than I was last time I spoke to you uh, in a significant way. But uh, apart from that, I'm great. Thanks. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Not every day that you turn the big one, I suppose. But uh, at yeah. least you had a nice time. We've just been talking about, obviously, you had a nice time away in the States. So uh, all, yeah, all, yeah, all yeah, good yeah. for that. Yeah, we're all good. Good. And the other Chris, we've got him back. Emergency, some form of signing. Um Straight from straight from Sweden to join us, Christopher Holt. Chris, Chris, how are we doing, mate? Good evening, gentlemen. Happy 21st birthday, Chris Smith. Yeah, pleasure. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, obviously, it was yeah. a, a, a very strange recording on my own. I, I, I haven't done many on my own over the last two, three, two and a half years. It's, it's weird now to say that's that's kind of how it started. But I was on my own last week due to various bits and pieces and mainly Corey not being able to send the Zoom links out in time. Um, but, you know, I've taken control of that this week. So that's why we're definitely all here in, in front of each other. So there's a bonus and we can we can crack on. And it was obviously, it was a bumper weekend of East Easter football. And we were hoping that Derby were going to get, well, really what they needed, which was, which was maximum points. And at five to three, on Monday, it was job done, and unfortunately, by five to five, it didn't quite turn out that way. Um, unfortunately, well, more on MK Don's uh, a little, a little bit later because I want to concentrate on on the Friday game first at Forest Green. Um, Chris Smith, I'll come to you first because you just because you're at the top of my my screen, so it's going to be easier to rotate between the two of you that way. Um, and that's exactly, I thought, what Friday was, Chris. I watched the game. I don't think Derby were particularly brilliant in it. I don't think Forrest Green were that brilliant in it. But it was all about going to a bottom side who had obviously beaten Sheffield Wednesday two weeks previous on their own patch and just getting out of Gloucestershire just you know, with, with those three points. It, it didn't really, I suppose it didn't really matter at the moment how those results are coming with all the other teams doing still as well as they as they possibly can although obviously monday turned out to be a bit of a bit of a missed opportunity for derby on that point of view but that that trip down to gloucester it it was always going to be one of those games um i didn't see them play sheffield wednesday i was at the derby forest women's game so i didn't actually see them i mean i, I don't know how forest green managed to beat sheffield wednesday if i'm being honest on the display that i've seen of them certainly at pride park and obviously now at, at, at their own ground but it was a case of, as I say, get the three points, get out of Gloucestershire however they could. And in, in the end, they managed to do that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we, it's an obvious thing to say. We're, we're very much in a results uh, part of the season, aren't we, really? And, you know, I think we're, we're not in a place at the moment where 
you know it's all about performances and the results will come you know it's it's and you know yesterday was that with bells on which I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute but uh yeah I mean I think the um I mean it was a massive banana skin Friday I mean the, you know we're obviously not in great shape um or, and certainly weren't going into that game um they'd just gone from you know a little bit like Huddersfield really Huddersfield a couple of weeks ago dead buried and even the first few games of Warnock didn't look like he was going to turn it round. Same with Duncan Ferguson. First few games, no impact whatsoever, no bounce. And then from nowhere, they pull a couple of results and then inexplicably beat Jeff Wednesday. And all of a sudden, what started as a, you know, a shoo-in, um, you know, kind of if you take that game six weeks ago, you know, Forest Green dead, buried, gone, Derby absolutely flying, you know, we'd have gone there expecting to walk all over them. And, I think that, uh, you know, that clearly wasn't the case. And, um, yeah, I mean, he obviously mixed up the f- uh, formation a little bit, went with the five, changed the personnel, dropped Chessy in from nowhere, really. Um, and, yeah, I, I mean, you can analyse it all you like, Jace, to be fair. But at the end of the day, it, it, you know, we came away with a 2-0 away win. You know, I think any away win anywhere in any standard of football is a good thing. And, uh, you know, off the back of them beating uh, Wednesday uh, the previous week, I say with our fragile confidence, yeah, you know, I mean, obviously we got off to a, the dream start, you know, as you know, I think in this division, I've spoke to you about this before, but I think even more than the championship, it just seems in this division, the first goal is massive mm. because there's such a chasm between the top half of the table and the bottom half of the table, as we've spoke about before. And I think as we've seen with Derby, you know, you get that first goal you get the second one, you're staring down the barrel of four, five, five nil. If the other team, if you don't get that first goal and kill teams off or even worse, they get the first goal. All of a sudden, you, it's a world of pain, no matter who you're paying, playing. So I think that penalty early on was, you know, probably the first bit of luck I think we've had in weeks and, uh, you know, the first break, I'll say. And um, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, banana skin avoided, I think, and the, the, Wins a win's a win, clean sheet, happy days, and uh, you know it sets up nicely to uh, go on and roll over MK on Monday. Yeah, I, I think you've pretty much nailed on sort of the the, the points that I took out from it. Uh, dream start, you can't hope for any more absolute nerve settler. Really, a penalty within the first thirty seconds certainly won't be the first penalty we talk about on, on this uh, podcast. I don't think. Um, and yeah, great start, and then. 80 minutes of off and puff, wasn't it? Until mm, a, a nice yeah. to see clo- still closing down at, you know, the 85th minute or 86th minute or whatever it was to get the second. But yeah, I, I think the positives, clean sheet, definitely. Did the, that's what, I know it's now 21 because he scored on Monday, but twenty it was his 20th goal of the season. Obviously, James Collins had rolled into, well, I think it was 11 with that penalty. And I think you're right. It, it, it that is really the the major the major talking points about it. Uh, the the one other that I do want to talk about, and Chris Holt, you're going to come in on this. Um, Chris mentioned it. Chris, 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 Chris. Yeah, this is going to get uh, interesting. Um, but James Chester, let's let's talk about James Chester as well. Um, comes in for the first time in five months. We now know he's injured again, which is a bit of a shame. Um but came in, slotted in at the back, to me didn't look necessarily out of place, which which was nice. 
it'd be interesting to see how bad this in this this re- I don't know if it's a reoccurrence. I've not really heard too much. I've just heard that that's the reason why he wasn't in the squad for yesterday. Um, so hopefully that is only a minor precaution. But if we are looking at the positives, James Chester coming in and and really not looking out of places is probably one of the bigger one biggest ones. And on top of as we say, another goal for James Collins. Uh, which I thought actually he's had quite a productive week, uh, Easter period. And obviously McGoldrick's done exactly the same. After a game, a period of obviously the the four games, couldn't, well, five, six games, wherever it is, without a clean sheet and obviously not been able to hit a barn door for the last month. Yeah, Chez is a racehorse, isn't he, Jason? Um, and with racehorses comes on expectations of will they last the course or will they pull up short? And unfortunately... We seem to have the latter with every time Chessy does come in. He looks certainly good for two-thirds of the course. And then, woe and behold, it sets in and the injury recurs. And it's his calf, isn't it? And I've heard that there's real concern now that he's, he's done for the season and they're going to get a further analysis of it uh, at some point this week. Um, he is a He is a fantastic player when he's fit. He's had a career hindered with injuries, and I think that's why he's never hit the heights where I think potentially he could have done back in his mid-twenties. People forget he's only in his early thirties. He's just been around such a long time. Um, I thought it was a sensible thing to put him in, to be fair, because we were a rocking ship, wasn't we? And we we did definitely have a, a slow leak in the hull as such, which was sending us down the wrong way. Um, Going back to what Chris said about Forest Green, I think you're right. I think the first goal is crucial. The important thing about Forest Green was they've never actually scored in the second half in seven games. They've only scored two goals in in the six prior, which was one against Bristol Rovers in the first half, and they got splattered in the second half by a 3-1, and then obviously the goal at uh, Chef Wednesday. So as soon as we got that penalty in and, and buried it, I was totally confident. I thought, well, Forest Green have got no form at all to say that they can come back in a second half uh, game, and and lo and behold, what happened? So, yeah, I think it was a, I think you've 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 both hit the nail on the head. Wasn't a great performance. It's probably a six six point five if we're lucky, but against a team that was probably below five. So uh, it's one of those days where you go in, come out with the result, and think, yeah, you know, fortunately the team we're up against were were not much to really behold. So, yeah, onwards and upwards. Yeah, I, I think I, I said to myself a couple of week, a couple of times last week, it, that exactly was what it was all about. And as I say, you can you can take heart from, we re- restricted him to, I think it was literally one shot on target, but how much that was down to our play rather than just their clear, unfortunately for them, their, their lack of quality at this level. Um, for obviously the first time that they've been up here. Uh, yeah, it, it was. It was an absolute banana skin that uh, luckily Derby Derby completely mixed, missed. And obviously that brings us on to, to yesterday. Um, and it was, again, it, it was one of them games, another team that four or five weeks ago looked like they were languishing and, and and almost well not quite gone mathematically but it looked a bit of an uphill struggle for them then I know they've over the last three or four weeks picked up picked up a couple of results as well um obviously managed to lift themselves out of that bottom three and you know they they really are fighting um but for me yesterday 
I didn't see a great deal from them. I really didn't. Um, it was more down to Derby's lack of rather than anything else. But we'll go into details in that a, a little bit more. Um, Chris Smith. The big, for me personally, the biggest question between me and, and the lads on the bus was what does he change and, and, and how does he change it? Because it was pretty obvious, I thought, that there was no way that they were going to be able to play the same 11 uh, in in the space of three days and keep up a, a level of performance that, that, that basically was required. But also, there is obviously that caveat to that, that there's not actually that much that we can change. You you find Chester drops out through injury, obviously Springit, we already know, is he can't. Uh, well, he's, he's not involved now between now and the end of the season because of injury. So the, there's not massive changes that can be made. And obviously now we've reverted to that sort of two up front again over the last three or four weeks. You can't really rotate your striker because they're, they're both playing 70 minutes. Do you think, just based on the team and, and formation of yesterday, do you think there was much more that he, he could have possibly changed uh, looking for that result? Or do you think actually when you look at that squad, I must admit, I looked at it and I, I, I thought to myself, I think that's, I do think that's about as strong as as Derby can probably put out at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I just, well, there's two answers to that really. I mean, the uh, the the immediate answer is that any sort of subs and tactics, is, is, to me, when you're having 28 shots to three, and you know, any talk of tactics and team selection, you know, is is kind of irrelevant. I mean. I, I didn't really agree with the subs and I thought he could have, you know, I was, I was staggered when he took Hurahan off because he was playing a blinder and he was having one of his best games. I thought being mm-hmm. a Derby shirt, I mean, the quality of his crosses and dead balls, which again, we might come to later, but again, you know, where is that six foot striker? Where's that six foot centre back from January? You know, the balls, I mean, I, I don't think, I said to somebody on walking out the ground, I, I don't think I can remember anybody putting better balls in the box since probably Idiakes, mm. you know, kind of that that long ago. I mean, the quality across yesterday was outrageous and just nobody was getting on the end of it. But, I mean, again, I, I, you've, you've both no doubt seen this online. You know, I'm seeing lots of things about tactics and, you know, Warren's not the man and then people are coming back saying, but, you know, with the best will in the world, you know, that game should have been out of sight within not even by half time by 20 minutes mm. you know it should have been done over the hill and again as I said on you know we get the second goal there we win that game 5-6-0 you yeah. know there's you know when Didsy scored I thought well here comes another hat-trick and you know I just uh, I just couldn't but and again you, you can criticise Warren on his subs I mean again we used, what could he have done personally I would have maybe took Rooney off gone four at the back and just thrown another body forward somehow you know just um you know, maybe got a bit flatter at the back and push more people forward. But again, I think to be fair to Warren, you, you, you're nitpicking. You can't you can't legislate for having that many chances and that many shots and and not winning the game. It was it's just it was criminal, really. <laughs> just, you know, and I mean, say I mean, it's so frustrating. Mendes Lang in the first half. I mean, I agree with Warren. Warren was said he was unplayable, and I think I think he was. They couldn't live with him, but some of his decision making was brutal when he mm. got on the ball. You know, I mean that was there was one he rolled to Collins in the right inside right channel when Didsy's standing on the penalty spot waiting to tap it in. There was one he passed it to Jason Knight when he was stood ten yards offside for yeah. no real reason uh, I can really fathom. Um, you know, obviously he went charging through on goal himself and just hit it straight to keeper. And you're like, 
you know, crikey. But um, yeah, I, 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 I mean, I was just, uh, I mean, it was just a gutter on it yesterday. It was yeah. Just an absolute, it was an absolute hammer blow. And, uh, you know, as I say, I, I'm not sitting here, We, you may be coming to this later on, and I'm not sitting here waving the flag for Warren or thinking he is the Messiah by any stretch of the imagination. But I think it's rough to blame him for that one yesterday because, you know, I, I just don't think you can dominate a game that much not win and then somehow it's the manager's fault and again even talk about the ref I mean was it a pen was it not at the game I thought it was I've heard people say on the replay it was Collins who handled it I don't know I haven't seen it back but again it should have been irrelevant mate it shouldn't have even shouldn't have even been a conversation that should have been oh do we win 5-0 or do we win 4-0 you know it shouldn't have even been a thing so so yeah I mean again I'm not telling you anything you don't know there but as I say it's uh I, I just thought it was I, I, I've just got a bad feeling, unless we absolutely pull a rabbit out of it, I've got a bad feeling that one yesterday might have been terminal. And that's a point that I'm definitely going to go on to in a little minute. Um, but yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, obviously, the passion of, of of the emotion and things like that straight after the game, I, I was sat there and obviously, as you would expect, 25, 26,000 Derby fans agreed that the ref seemed to pull up some very peculiar decisions yesterday. Um, and yes, I've seen a replay since that it does look like it's Collins and on that one, but I think you've got another two shouts, good shouts as well in there for, for penalties, the push on Jason Knight. We had one of them given, didn't we earlier on this year against somebody? I can't remember. I can't remember off the top of my head who it was against, but it was a very, very similar one goes through one-on-one. The, the push is clearly there. I think Jason Knight's one of those players for me. He... He, he goes down a little bit too easy, in in my opinion. Um, and don't get me wrong; I know sometimes that you know that's the way that you play. Certainly, if you if you if you're being turned and you need to, any sort of contact, you're told to go down. But that's fine. In the middle, we see it in football; it shouldn't be any different. But in the middle of the park, it's a foul. It, at the business end of either end of the pitch, it, it doesn't always get given. So there was there was that one, and I think there was another shout for handball in there um, in the second half. It looked to me very much, uh, sorry, in the first half, obviously I'm in the south stand, so it's very hard to see over over that side to, beyond the north stand. But to me, it looked like an amble. Um, very, very hard to say. And obviously, that I think that was at the point we were 1-0 up as well. So like you say, you kill that game off. And that's exactly what I turned to my mate and said, you know, if, if we get a second in the next five, 10 minutes, we'll, we'll breeze past these. Because we were on that, I thought we were on, we were on form yesterday for that first 45 minutes. Other than we just couldn't hit the back of the net. And Chris, oh, obviously, we had chance after chance after, after chance, didn't we? We've had, we had we had Collins hit in the post. As we said, Mend- and Didzy went through a couple of times and, and just stroked it wide. And for a team that hadn't, up until Friday, hadn't scored in four or five games, creating 20, having 28 shots at home and, and having seven on target, should be enough to win the game and should be a, a, a positive point from the game. But I think as Chris touched on there, unfortunately, I think because of the way things went yesterday as well, that that might, might just be the final nail in, in Derby's promotion push this season. We're going to go and talk on before we end the podcast about the next two, which obviously look two absolute stinkers now away from home. I, I personally think, but Chris, your opinion on obviously yesterday and 
it was a bit of a throwaway from Derby in all honesty, wasn't it? Refereeing decisions aside, Derby should have come away from Pride Park with three points yesterday. Well, I'll, I'll touch on three things which um, came across me. I actually watched it in Sweden yesterday with an MK Dons fan. And uh, one thing he points out is they're, they're unbeaten in six and they've come behind twice in the previous game to get a draw. So they came behind from behind against Wickham away and came from behind against Portsmouth at home. They sit back. He said to me, watch us sit back first half. We always do it. And then they change jigsaw pieces slightly to adapt to what they're up against, which I think is a very clever tactic when you come up against Derby County. Because I personally think MK Dons knew that Derby would blow up. And we did. We blew up again. We blew up at 60-odd minutes. There was a little bit of stagnancy, if there's such a word, where the football stopped, frustration set in because of decisions, shall we say, that weren't uh, agreed upon. And I'll say as a a referee from another sport, we make mistakes. We're human. And I'll be honest with you guys, I'm not going into the realms of EFL have got to sort out referees and what have you because... There isn't money at this level to pay for the better referees. There'll never be money at this level to pay for better referees. They have no support from video, VAR and what have you. They go in there, do the best job they can in extremely pressurised circumstances. And I always say to people, put a whistle behind, you know, put a whistle around your neck and uh, you try and try it. Because, you know, I've been a professional basketball referee for a while now. And uh, trust me, I get I get things wrong. And when you have an irate crowd in your ears, it goes into your head. It does make you nervous for a while. You do lose concentration for a while. But I, I thought in general, and I agree with Chris, that the game could have and should have been won at half-time. But how many times are we going to say that, guys? Mm. And how many times have we said that in the past? Go back to game one, Charlton away. Exactly the same story. Yeah. 25 shots on target, absolutely charting out of sight. They go and win the game 1-0. And lo and behold, we're still doing it. I just thought that it comes down to game management again. Sometimes you have to shut up shop, think, you know what? They, you, they, you could clearly see MK Dons were getting back into the game. They changed their back line. They went to a flat back five. They thought, right, we'll shut Derby out. They couldn't get wide. Once they went to a flat back five, I thought our two wingers were out of the game Mm. because it made Derby have to come down the middle and Derby cannot play down the middle very well. And I just thought that it was an opportunity for Warren to shut a shop at 1-0 or change a tactic to match the back five. And he didn't. And lo and behold, we got a draw. Yeah, that that was one of my feelings from it as well. It it just felt like, and this is not the, for me personally, I don't think it's the first time this season we make the substitutions and we sort of, you hear Paul warning in pre-match interviews, and obviously he's not really going to say much different, so I, I get this, but he says, you know, he's not taking off a, a great player and replacing him with a, with a rubbish player. He's replacing good players with good players. They all train together. They all should know their jobs. They all should know the system that they're working. But it, it highlighted it again for me on Monday. We make those substitutions, and not necessarily individually do they make a massive difference, we just seem to we seem to lose momentum. We seem to lose what we're doing for five, ten minutes. And like you say, Chris, in football at any level, it 
that is an opportunity then for the for the away side to to do something about it. Um, but that that was my feeling on it. And then for that final fifteen minutes, I think we could have played for another half an hour because all we were literally doing was just umping the ball forward, and we'd already taken. Collins off, who you can arguably say is better than McGoldrick in the air, and you're not going to expect McGoldrick to win many headers when he's when he stands at you know five foot three or whatever it is, and and that just seemed to be the ball every time. And then in that final uh, what seven eight minutes of, of injury time, I mean the amount of times we were in that box and the ball just bobbled over somebody's foot or we couldn't just quite get the shot away or th- there was just so many so many so many yesterday in 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 my opinion which was was quite a was quite a frustrating um thing that but as, as, as i think i think that is the the message from yesterday it should have been out of sight before that it, that that shouldn't be that shouldn't have been a factor and that really shouldn't be what we're talking about on on this episode but unfortunately we are um and obviously with the results yesterday there was a chance for derby and it just seems at the minute even you know we things aren't going right for us off off on the pitch. Even when sort of teams around us are dropping points, we can't seem to take the initiative. Um, and I think that sums us up where we are. And and I, and I do think that sums us up in terms of that there are just there are there are better teams in this division than Derby. There are teams further down the road in their preparations for for trying to break into the championship. We always hoped that Derby could do it first time. But I think this ultimately shows you that League One's not quite as easy as some people may thought. And obviously that whilst we managed to do what we managed to do in the summer, it still wasn't the 100% of, of what was needed to be done. It's a, it's a valid point. What I will say, guys, I, I was very surprised he left a youthfulness on the pitch when we were, the, when we were wobbling. If you look at the back three that we had, you had Cashin, Rooney and Roberts and combined between the three, what's their average age? 20? Less than 50. <laughs> and, then, and then you go into the midfield and he takes Hurihan off for White. He takes Smith off for Bird. He takes Barkhausen off for Sibley and takes Collins off for Dobbin. Well, the, you're still at the average age of around 20 again, yeah. 21, 22. What I would have done personally is seen that we're wobbling, still at 1-0, but still winning at 1-0 and probably stead of the ship and thought, right, Davis or Fozzie, get on there. Why did he change the captain again for mm. the fourth time on the rock? Different captains, different leaders. It's, it's, it's just a muddle of differences every week, which I just do not understand. Game management, you, you cannot expect to win a game at home in front of 27,000 with the average age of 20 in front of you. I know we are saying that we've got limitations of squad and depth and what have you, but even so, there was experienced players on that pitch in Davis and sorry on that bench with Davis and Forsyth that could have gone in there and tweaked it. I would have kept Smith on because Bradley Johnson was just starting to get control. He's a clever Wiley Fox, is Bradley, and we had no one to 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 counteract that. And I just think it was a bad management uh, day all all along. Yeah, I think the other thing with that, Chris, is we're talking about Davis and uh, Fozzie. Was the one thing that I thought was again, 
in not disagreeing with what you're saying there and uh, but just to expand on the point what I was saying earlier on about the amount of crosses and also what Jason just said the amount of crosses that went in the box all the way through the game and nobody had a hoping hell of getting on the end of them either from open play but more particularly from dead balls and our best two headers of the ball arguably or, our, or certainly our two biggest guys if you want to take it to the absolute base level our two biggest guys are Kurt and, and Foz and you could probably argue that Kurt's the best header of the ball at the club so you know, kind of if and even and even if you don't do what Chris has said and shut up shop with 20 minutes to go, you definitely bring Kurt on with 15 minutes to go and say, right, Kurt, pull the back together and just see if you can get your head on one of these amazing crosses that everybody's putting in, you know, and, yeah. uh, and, and we've actually literally seen him do that before. So, you know, even just try that and they just. <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah, it was, um... yeah, I was going to say exactly the same. I, 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 yeah. It's not the first time that we've seen Curtis Davis be pushed up front. As soon as you know the fourth official boarded for seven minutes, we we it was obvious we were going to absolutely load the box, get them on, get them up there, get them in, get them in front of the goal, and you know, all for however good cashing is at the back. He, he, we've seen all season; he doesn't really get his his head on things, unfortunately, in in an attacking sense very often. So, but we know Davis can, and it only, it would have only taken one. And you would have thought, like you said, with the quality of ball that was going in all game, but certainly in that last five or six minutes, I know it was a little bit rushed and a little bit panicky, but you, you, you've got to have somebody to aim at. And I don't think we yeah. really had that. No, not unfortunately, I don't I think we had that. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm not going to criticize any, to be fair, I know you called it earlier, but, I'm not going to criticise anybody for lumping the ball in the box in, you know, with two minutes of injury time to go, because that's just the way of of the world. But, um, you know, I think not bringing guys on who can who are likely to get on the end of it, it just made it fruitless exercise. Yes. There, wasn't one, there wasn't one player that was left on that pitch, I agree, Chris, that has a reputation for that. Uh, and I just found it staggering how you literally look to the best player on the pitch, which was Dean Lewington, in my in my opinion, for MK Dons. I thought, but he's 38 years old and he cannot jump in the air. And he was winning everything in the air because, like I said, the, we had no one to challenge him in the last 15 minutes. You try and ask a 38-year-old to try and keep uh, heading out bombardments of that quality he, he didn't have a problem because he had no one to challenge him because no one was within three or four inches of height against him. Mm. Again, you can see it, guys. We can see it. Why can't the management see it? So then, guys, before we preview the next two, which now look too pretty difficult, I think they look difficult anyway, but pretty difficult trips, both to a very similar area of the of the country. And I've got a, an interesting question to pose to both of you to see what will happen with that. But before we do, we, we must look at that top six in general. Well, not even top six anymore, really, is it? We're, we're probably fighting for, for one place. Um, Chris Smith, and we sort of have already kind of mentioned it, but it, do we think now that that is probably the, the nail in Derby's coffin? It's, it's going to take a... It's going to take a mighty change now, isn't it? Between now and the end of the season, I think in in momentum, just just for Derby to to get in there. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I mean that it, that Cambridge goal yesterday probably gave us a tiny 
sort of get out of jail card. I think I think if Bolton had won yesterday, it's tough to see us coming back. I think I keep reading it's kind of in our own hands. Um and yeah, you know, obviously if we won all five games, I've no doubt we'd be in there. But I, I really think we're in the world now where we, we need somebody to have a disaster. Um I don't think it, I don't think it's all over by any stretch. Um, you know, as I say, we're going to talk about the next two. You know, you'd like to think we'll beat Burton Albion. You'd like to think we'll beat Portsmouth. That Sheffield Wednesday game has gone from being, you know, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, um, I thought Chef Wed was going to be, they'd all be, half the team would be over and half the team would be squad players who they were giving a game uh, to get a bonus. And I thought we'd be playing our like under-14s to keep everybody fresh for the playoffs. And, mm. um, you know, and then now it looks like that's going to be an absolute epic, encounter doesn't it if they've got to win it for top two and we need it for sixth um but yeah I mean clearly away to Chef Wed's not going to be straightforward but uh yeah I don't know mate I don't, I don't think it's terminal but it's I don't think the patient's terminal but I think he's certainly not very well uh Chris uh, the other Chris um it's this game in hand that Bolton have got isn't it that I think is Obviously, is if they Accr- go and isn't it Accrington at home? Sorry it, to cut in. It, it, it might well be, um, but yeah. I think until that one is played, and I've not looked when that is. Um, mm. You wouldn't have thought it's this week, and obviously, I think we've all got midweek games next weekend anyway. So it's probably again, it's it's still in another couple of weeks' time. I mean, that one, I suppose, at the moment is yeah. If they lose that, and the gap's only two points, that that is a, a, a two points can can change very 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 quickly. But that game in hand, you would bank on them I suppose but then again I'd bank, I I did bank on them yesterday on the coupon to uh, to win at uh, win against Cambridge so what do I know but yeah Bol- Bolton's away Bolton's game in hand is it Accrington it's on the 25th of April so you're spot on there um guys I- I'm a bit more pessimistic and optimistic to be honest and I'll tell you why Peterborough have got a tough game on uh, Saturday it's a local derby for them against Cambridge mm. and Cambridge are fighting for their lives and and I can see draw written all over that. They then go away to Accrington, who are fighting for their lives. I can see a draw written all over that. And then here's the big game. They're at home to Ipswich. On the posh. And look at the top three. You know, there's a, there's a point between all of them. So, you know, and then Peterborough's last game of the season is away at Barnsley. Yeah who are going to put on a show for their fans at home. So Bolton, I've got a nice run in. And yes, I agree with you, Chris. I think I think Bolton will probably be taking one of the two spots. But I think it's between us and Peterborough. I think the others, I think Wickham and Portsmouth will fall by the wayside. They're too inconsistent. I just, I just think if we come out unscathed with four points out of six in the next two guys, which we'll come to, I think you could see Peter. All right, Dara Ferguson. People are going to say, "Well, hang on a minute." The the full four on the bounce. Yes, they have, and 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 that's that's great form. But if you actually look at who they've got to play in their last five, you know, two arguably in promotion contention, Barnsley and Ipswich, or certain Ipswich, two certainly fighting for their lives. One that's their local derby. I don't think it's over yet. Mm. It's a fair point. I, to be honest with you, I, on, on the coupon yesterday, there was two that I, I left completely alone. Um, and one of them was Peterborough. Obviously, they played Exeter, didn't they, at home? I thought Exeter might 
be able to, they've, you know, that they, I thought they might be able to turn up and, and get something there. And the other one was, um, I, I was proven right. I, 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 I left Plymouth against Lincoln away, um, well alone, uh, because we know what Lincoln can, can do at this division when they decide to turn up. But I was fully expecting extra to, to get something potentially against Peterborough. I wasn't expecting Bolton to, to drop points, which, yeah. But I think you are. I think we hey, we can't count our chickens. We'd, let's let's concentrate on sixth. And if Derby can, in what three four weeks' time, be in that sixth spot by the skin of our teeth, I'll take it. I don't fancy any of them who we would want who we would play in the playoffs. I really wouldn't. Um, you just got to hope because of how close it is. One of them's going to be heartbroken for not making it in, um, and you've just you've you've kind of got to hope that that then allows Derby a, a bit of a chink of light. And if I'm being completely honest, out of the three, I think I'd rather take Sheffield Wednesday. And there's two reasons behind that. One, they are in a bit of an up and down form. And the second of all, they're only an hour up the road. Why on earth would we want to go to Plymouth on a Tuesday night or whatever it may well be? And why would you want to go to Ipswich on a Tuesday night in a second leg? Semi semi final, not really the travel that that Derby want to have. So for me, if I'm going to be optimistic, I'd like to sneak sixth, and I'd I'd love to play Sheffield Wednesday because that, like you said, Chris, that last game, something could ride on it, and it, it could well be a dress rehearsal for the playoffs. That's a really good point, and um, one thing I will say, going back to uh, the battle for the last two spots, Bolton go away to Oxford on Saturday, and Oxford have really turned their form around. They've had a new manager a new structure. And if you look at their last four results, they've had four draws, but they've had two excellent draws, nil-nil at Peterborough and one-one at home to Chef Wednesday. They had a nil-nil against Port Vale just gone. You know, these, these have shut up shop. Mm. And Bolton's away form isn't great. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a hiccup there. So don't be surprised, guys, if we go into uh, the following game. Uh, which I believe we were going to talk about at Exeter, <laughs> potentially in fourth. <laughs> never mind, never mind seventh. It's, oh. it, it's, 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 oh, sorry, fifth, sorry. Fifth, because Barnes are in fourth, mm. aren't they? Fifth, never mind seventh. That is good optimistic. We like it. it yeah, very. But it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's, it's a crazy, it's a crazy week ahead, guys. Two trips. The question that I've got for you, Chris Smith. Not even about the physical game of football. Are you expecting Derby to travel all the way down to Bristol Rovers on Saturday to then drive back on Sunday to then drive down to Exeter on Monday? Or do you think that there might just be enough money in the coffers for, for Derby to stay over for a couple of nights? And do we think that that actually could be a, a, a solid cog in in, a, in Derby's opportunities of, of getting some points out of these two games? I think they'll definitely stay down there. I think they'll definitely stay down there. I mean, he, um, I think it's been well documented in the last week talking about the FL talks. We're well under budget for our business plan, whatever that is. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, I think where we are at the moment, you know, there's a little bit of a negative vibe, let's be honest, isn't there? And I think getting the lads together and let's get a bit of a, if we can get a bit of a siege mentality and just get everybody away from everything and in their own kind of space for three or four days, get focused and uh, do that. You know, I'd, I think that might be good. Get them, you know, get them out of the environment and 
get down there and just focus on the on the job in hand. So I, yeah, I'd be, I'd be staggered if they came back to Derby. To be fair, the the reason that I asked that question, and I don't know one hundred percent how true that this was, but I heard that for the Plymouth game, they actually drove down that morning for the Plymouth away game, and then actually drove back straight after the game, which to me, if is true, seems ludicrous really in mm. my opinion that's that's a hell of i know it's not them physically driving but still that that is a that is a hell of hell of a lot of travel to to do and so that, that it was one of the reasons why i thought i'd just put that question out there because i had heard rumors that that was the case but that is very much a rumor not not that i know i'm i'm not part of derby's uh, uh, bus driving team i'm afraid so i don't know the answer to those questions <laughs> but uh, it, it was a question that i thought i would pose to you um but physically moving on to that Bristol Rovers game first. Um, I, I look back at obviously that game at at Pride Park, and obviously that was McGoldrick's um, first hat trick, wasn't it? And it well, what an hat trick it was as well. It, it, for an individual player, it was an individual hat trick. Um, but of course, it, the game was four two, and at, at certain points in that game, it, it seemed quite you know evenly balanced. And I know that Bristol Rovers aren't the worst team in the world on their own patch. Um, it's another one you hope and expect that Derby are going to win. But at the same time, it's we don't know, do we? If, if you actually look at the form over the last three or four four weeks, our away form is probably better than our own form, which is not something that we've had to say as Derby fans um, a lot at all over the last many many years, but yeah, may, maybe and like you said there, Chris, four days away, almost like a mini a mini training camp, isn't it? Get down there, find somewhere, play the two games, and yeah, and come out, come up from the west end of the country with, I mean, dare we dream six points? You would think if we got six points from those two games, we must be in the playoffs. I would be, I would be gobsmacked if not. Um, but first of all, Bristol Rovers, and then uh, and then Exeter. Chris Smith will come to you first, obviously, on that. It, it's it showed it's showtime, isn't it? It, it, it? There is no more time for excuses. Derby are going to have to go into these two games. They are going to have to somewhat perform, and they're going to have to come out with, I would argue, a minimum of four. It, it, or otherwise, I think that might be uh, that might be curtains. Yeah, definitely. I mean. Um... I mean, Bristol Rovers are a funny team, aren't they? And mm. uh, I mean, they've got some really nifty strikers. I think I'm right in saying they have two of the top scorers in the division. They've certainly got one. And uh, they, I, I'm actually surprised Joey Barton's not been stacked had, uh, because they started off the season strong and looked good. And, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the, uh, kind of football league podcasts and they love Bristol Rovers because of the football they play and the strikers they've got. And I think they see them as like an entertaining sort of fun side, but uh, they've certainly fell away. And, um, you know, again, Barton's obviously an odd character and, you know, he's, uh, I, I can't imagine that he's an easy guy to kind of predict. Well, he's an unpredictable character, isn't he? He's proved that through all his playing career and his management career. Um, and, um, yeah, that I think he's an unpredictable guy and they're an unpredictable team. And I think at this point in the... I think we sometimes we are guilty of building some of these teams up. And uh, I think at this point in the season, you probably are in the league probably about where you deserve to be. And the fact that they're kind of lower middle and not kind of knocking on the door of the playoffs with us and Peterborough and 
Wickham probably tells you that they've underperformed. So, um, yeah, they're a strange old side, really. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's without a shadow of a doubt, if we show up and do a thing, they're absolutely beatable. There's no doubt about that. But equally capable of giving you a uh, a slap if you uh, if you don't turn up because they certainly have got strikers who if we give them so I went to the Oxford game a couple of weeks ago and uh, you know that was like watching kids football and if we'd have played a better team if we'd have played the Oxford United who are showing up now under Manning that Chris was just referring to and not the one from a couple of weeks ago where the manager had just been sat we'd, we'd have got beat in that game um and if we give that amount of chances up to Bristol Rovers, they w- they will give us a slap. But but equally, you know, as I say, they're not in great form. They're in the, they are where they are in the league for a reason, and there is absolutely no reason. You know, again, with the players we've got, there's no reason why we can't get a result anywhere. Um, but you know, as I say, we just need to somehow find a pattern of play or a system or just catch a break or get the right selection or something. And you know, again, we're at that part really where we're just crossing everything and hoping that we get a break. Absolutely, Chris. Holt, same same question to you, really. The the next two for me, like you say, there are going to be changes and, and swaps, and but we are obviously running out of games. Derby are going to have to they are going to have to go into these two and, and definitely stay unbeaten, in my opinion. And as I say, I'd, anything less than than four, in, I, I just I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure that that's going to be. It, it then puts a lot of pressure. I'm I'm trying to look at this without having that much pressure on the Sheffield Wednesday game because obviously that's that's going to be quite quite a challenge. But uh, with the two home games, if you can get solid results over the next two and then back to back home games, things things might seem a little better. Yeah, well, actually, I I, I would choose Bristol Rovers as a team I'd go to uh, away from home. Um, if you were looking for three points at this point in the season. And, and there's a couple of reasons why. First of all, they haven't beat anybody at home in the top seven or eight. So the last, so they got, they got a draw with Barnsley. Uh, they got beat by Wickham. They got beat by Portsmouth. Um, yep, they've won two back, on, two back, back, you know, back to back with Charlton at home or, or where they're in the middle of nowhere, sort of 11, 12. And then good old Fleetwood they beat. Now, you know, Fleetwood are the most inconsistent team I think I've ever seen uh, on earth. They On their day, they can play amazing football and then they go and get beaten by Bristol Rovers. Look, <laughs> Bristol Rovers, uh, as Chris said, uh, alluded to, they 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 flatter to deceive. They're the 16th. They've got a minus eight goal difference. So they obviously concede far more than they score, which should give you hope. Tells you that they've got a leaky uh, defence. Joey Barton's never been a defensive-minded coach. We know that. Um, and I think we shouldn't be afraid. I, I think that this is a game that's definitely winnable. I think if there's any motivation from the disappointment of, of yesterday to be taken with them to Bristol, then let's, let's, let's hope so. Let's hope they do. Because I certainly would rather be playing Bristol Rovers first than the second game, which we're going to come to, which is Exeter City. Yeah, I... I, I... I think the point that you pick up on there, they have obviously got a leaky defence. They have obviously got strikers that score goals. And if it is a minus eight goal difference, that that, that does tell a does tell a big picture. Um, I think the other, maybe another contributing fact is we know that they leak goals because we managed to put four past them at, at Pride Park. Yes, we conceded two in what was, you know, obviously the start of that really good run. And then we went on that run of 
of clean sheets. Whereas the Exeter game, which you're quite right, we, we're going to touch on now. Obviously, they we grew with those, didn't we, at home, if memory serves me right. Um, on a that was a midweek game as well. So only fair that we have to travel down there on a Tuesday if uh, you know if they're having to come all the way, if they had to come all the way up to us on a Tuesday. But I just for me. And I, I've never done the stats on this, and I'd like to see what the stats are on this kind of thing about obviously distance has travelled midweek and things like that. You know, what is there any correlation with stats on you tend to get better results away from home, the team's closer to you than you know geographic, geographically than away. But it's it's as I mentioned a minute ago, it's two very very bloody long journeys, which you would like to think, as we said, as we've mentioned that they're going to stay down there and hopefully utilise their time. Um, and and do something with that. Um, you know, you've plenty of football clubs down there that that may well lend us their facilities for a day that you can that you can work on. And you know, Bristol City being obviously probably perfect a perfect camp really there for us to go down there and and, and do that. But yeah, the ex the Exeter one. Um, I know Derby. Obviously, when we played them at home, it was it was one of those off and puff games, wasn't it? But I thought extra were quite a quite a decent organised outfit. That again, I, I honestly did think that if that they could have gone to Peterborough yesterday and taken something off them, and, and obviously they didn't. I think it was three one in the end, wasn't it? Um, so they were soundly beaten. By the looks of them, they're going to be in this division next season. Which, from a team that obviously has only just been promoted. They've got to be very happy with that. I don't think they're going to get dragged into it by the looks of it. Um, so it might be that they are a team that Derby can go down there and, you know, they, there is not masses, massive amounts to play for, which obviously is going to work in, in Derby's benefit, Chris. Yeah, I think so. I mean... Um... I think Exeter are just one of those nasty teams. I sort of align them. I mean, albeit they wear the same colours, but I, I, they remind me of Lincoln a little bit where, you know, they kind of are where they are in the league for a reason, you know. Um, so, again, let's not kind of think we're going into, uh, you know, kind of uh, the new camp or anything like that. But the, um, yeah, Exeter on a Tuesday night, and it's the nasty, isn't it? And, uh, you know, and again, another team who kind of oh where they are for a reason in the league as we've said but more than capable of giving you a slap if you don't turn up uh, I think Caldwell's done a good job when he's gone in there he's steadied the ship made him harder to beat um, you know again got a couple of nifty strikers and yeah it's uh, it is a nasty and what would be lovely is if we could get a win on Saturday and kind of take the sting out of that game a little bit and kind of think well roll into it with a bit of confidence and yeah, get another win, happy days. But equally, if you beat Bristol on Saturday and then you go there and you get a point at extra on a Tuesday night, then, you know, that that's a great return, isn't it? From the two matches. So, um, so yeah, you know, neither, neither of these games, I don't think uh, are particularly straightforward, but uh, yeah, I think, uh, as I say, if we can get something on Saturday, and take the heat out because what you don't want to be doing is certainly get a slap on Saturday from Bristol Rovers and then have to go to Exeter thinking, right, we have got to win this game. Yeah. Um, because that, you know, that's not going to be a good place to be, I don't think. No, I, I would fully agree. It's very similar to obviously the Easter weekend just gone. It was the, the first game was the setup, really. And you win that, whatever you get out of the second one it is a bonus, obviously, because it was at home. We expected really at that point Derby to come away with six, but as, with two away, 
yeah, if if you can if you can get anything out of that first, if you can get a win in that first one, it does probably just take the pressure off ever so slightly. But then again, obviously it'll all depend as always with with results elsewhere as well. Um, but going into that, um, Chris Holt for the final point of the po- on the podcast talking Exeter. Um, from what I remember, it, like I say, from what I remember of them at, at Pride Park, they gave Derby a bit of a bit of a game. I don't think Derby were at, the, at their best. One player that I remember really standing out for me was their left back. I think it was, it, I, I, I must admit I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I just vaguely remember that we were in that sort of period in time where Nat was seemed to be scoring or assisting every single week. And I just remember their left back having him in his absolute pocket all game. And as we've seen many times this season, sometimes you take Mendes Lang out of the, the sting out of the attack of Derby. And then we can look slightly lacklustre at times. Um, we've got to hope for a, for a better showing and, and not as good of a performance from, uh, from the left back there on, on Tuesday night. But as Chris mentioned, tough, tough, another tough place to go to in the space of three days. It's a good point. Exeter actually, although a, a two points above Bristol Rovers, have actually played two games more. If you actually look at their record, it's it's exactly the same as Bristol Rovers, bar two draws and half a dozen goals. One thing that we haven't mentioned with Exeter is they, they play their biggest game of the season two days prior, and that's wow. at home to Plymouth. Now, if I was an Exeter City player and I was wanting to get, oh, obviously, you're not going to turn around and say, I'm not going to play hard for both, but I'll I'll promise you this: they if they they'll be absolutely exhausted and battered and bruised after they played Plymouth on Saturday, and I think we're going to Exeter on a Tuesday night. It's a no better time, in my opinion, because like I said, if we stay in Yeovil, because I know that uh, Paul Warren's got a lot of friends in the non-league area, he's uh, he played out in that level for many years and he's been around a bit. I think he will stay down there. I think he'll get them into uh, recovery quite quickly from Bristol Rovers, knowing that Exeter have been in a battle with their local rivals. So I, I'm, I'm quite optimistic, actually, that we'll come out of Bristol Rovers with a, with a good result uh, and we'll go into Exeter with a, with, with a real positivity, knowing that we're not facing a team that will be anywhere near as fresh. I think, I think I'd be more concerned if we were playing Exeter on a Tuesday night after they had played someone far easier or a, a non-related game as such. So I, I look at, I always look at things slightly different, as mm. you know. And no, I, and as I a just, coach, you coach Ed, that's what that yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. As a coach, Ed, I'm thinking, well, hang on a minute, Exeter are going to have to make changes because there's no way they're coming out of the previous game unscathed. Mm. It just won't happen. You know, and I know, guys, when we play Forest, uh, we put everything on the line it, and, it, and Exeter is no different with Plymouth. I just hope, what all I will say is, I just hope that he has a good selection option to choose from between the two games and that we don't lose Touchwood two or three bodies from Bristol. I think that's my only concern. I think if we come out unscathed and he's got a full squad to choose from, I can see six points from both. Do you know, and that, that fixture is a fair point. Of course, obviously, Plymouth just off the back of that defeat at home to uh, to Lincoln as well, that obviously slap bang in the title race. It, it, it is a, it's a very valid point, a very valid point. And yeah, you, you might well be right. It might not be the worst time um, to, to go down there, actually, thinking about it. So, uh, and they've knows? lost the last two. And they've lost the last two. Yeah, yeah. 
So, well, all we can do, obviously, is hope. Um, and, and that's it's the hope that kills you, as, as we say um, on the podcast. That, that is, that's, a, that's a mantra in life, isn't it? The hope that kills us. Um, and that is about, unless anybody's got any other talking point to, to bring up, I think that pretty much does, um, that does wrap up the pod for this week. Um, another two massively important games coming up. And then, obviously, there's that double-header at home. Burton. I mean, you'd think. Well, well, I'm not even going to talk about Burton on this week's episode. We'll, <laughs> we, we'll we'll see how we get on next weekend before that. But yeah, and then obviously Portsmouth. That one could be, that one could be interesting as well. But I think that's everything. So my thanks go out to both of you, Chris Smith. Thank you very much, mate. Yeah, cheers, Jason and uh, Chris. I need to get your number to get therapy on the rest of my life. <laughs> you, you just cheer me up regarding Derby County. So. Hey, time. Yeah, <laughs> he's always a good man to have on. Obviously, Chris, Holt, yeah. thanks very much for joining us, mate. Appreciate it. It's, it's a pleasure. My glass is always half empty and rather than half full, so don't you worry about it. Or is it the other way around? I never remember. Awful. Which, more half full. Awful. Awful. There you go. I'm I'm, I'm yeah. two thirds full. Yeah. Don't, yeah. yeah. Let, let's not give up yet, guys. Yeah. No. What a, what a what a positive way to end on end the podcast on. Don't give up. Let's see what happens. Um, and who knows, you know, if it has to be another league one, a league one tour next season, then, you know, may, maybe that's what we need to, maybe that's what we need to have, but we'll have it. We'll cross that bridge as and when we need to come to it, but that's it for this week. Thanks very much for listening. And as always up the Rams. Thank you for listening to the Rams review podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast. And if you'd like to get in touch, we're on Twitter at RamsReview1, on Facebook, RamsReview Podcast. Drop us an email, RamsReview at hotmail.com. And until next time, up the Rams.